You're listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. Notes for today's sermon are available by downloading the GFC Florida app. Isn't it incredible that we serve a God that when he promises something, it is done? Like it happens, we know. Yeah, can we give it up for God right quick? You may go ahead and be seated. I'd just like to welcome all of you here. My name is Hal Mayer, and I'm the discipleship pastor here at Grace Family Church. And I'm excited that all of you are here. Those of you that are watching online, go ahead and say hello to us in the chat. Uh, those of you that are watching from all of our seven campuses, including there's gonna be eight campuses in January, if you haven't heard that yet, uh, it's gonna be awesome. And so we are excited about that as we continue in this series on faith. Now, if you missed it the last two weeks, you need to go back and you need to watch it because the first week, Pastor Craig talked about what it looked like to believe in a big God who gives us big promises that we can rely on. And then last week, Pastor Daryl talked about what it looked like to stretch your faith, both your character and who you are and the size of what you believe God can do. And this week, I'm gonna continue in that as we talk about faith, but can can I say this? It is hard to talk about a a topic as big as faith in, in 30 minutes. Like, it's not easy to do. In fact, because of that, because of that, I don't know if you guys know this, but we actually started a podcast. Uh, The Teaching Pastors, we started a podcast where we just kind of talk about the things that we didn't get to talk about over the weekend. We called it uh, The Pastor's Hangover. Uh, And before you get too worried or excited, it has nothing to do with alcohol. Uh, Here's what it is. Basically, after a weekend, the emotional, the spiritual, the physical, uh, just intensity that you have, on Monday morning, you tend to wake up a little bit down. And you ask yourself questions like, Like, what did I say yesterday? Like, what happened yesterday? What would I do? I wish I would have said this differently. I wish I would have added to this. And so that's exactly what we do, is we we talk about the things, man, we wish we would have explained this a little bit better. So you get to get a little bit more in depth of what we're talking about off the weekend. So hopefully you can apply it to your life. But we're gonna be talking about faith. And here's why I think it's so important to understand what faith is, is because if we don't understand what faith is, normally we pare it down to just belief. Right? We just think, oh, it's just belief, or it's just, I, I wish something would happen. And that's not true, because belief in and of itself gets nothing done, right? I mean, we know this. Have you guys ever been in a situation the day before, a day off, and you, you, you think about everything that you're going to accomplish the next day? Like, you kind of dream about it. I know you type A personalities don't have this problem. You have the rest of your life managed. But the rest of us that have ADD and like to procrastinate, we, we, the, day, the day before, like Friday night, I'm going, man, I, I just want to get so much done tomorrow. And we think about it. I'm like, yeah, tomorrow I'm gonna get so much done. I thought about the other day I had, you know, I need to work on my truck. I need to change out a mirror on this side. I need to change out a door handle on this side. I need to change the oil. And then I need to do the lawn. And then on top of that, I need to, to fix the hedges. I'm going, man, if I get up early and I just get started and I get coffee, then everything's gonna get done. And then I start to fantasize it about it a little bit more. Like if I get that done, I'm gonna feel so good. Not only that, I'm gonna walk in and my kids are gonna be like, dad, you're amazing. <laughs> like, man, our dad gets stuff done. He can work on a truck, right? And my wife is just gonna walk by. She's gonna be like, how you doing? <laughs> right? Like it's just that idea of it. But what happens the next morning, right? We had the big plans and then we wake up Saturday morning and what happens? So often it doesn't. Why? Because belief is not enough. Just wishing something would happen is not enough. See, I want you guys to understand, faith is not just thinking something's gonna happen. It's not just the belief that something is gonna happen. In fact, faith is actually a lifestyle. It's how we live out the life that God has called us to. 
And here's what's so incredible about that is that when we live the life God has called us to live, we actually get to experience God. We get to experience God in all of his fullness. We get to experience God in all of his power, his love and his mercy, because what we see that is different is not only do we feel it in our lives, but we feel it flowing through us as we do the work of God. So really what I want us to get today is this, just maybe like a blueprint or, or just some, some direction on what it looks like to live a life of faith, what it looks like to experience God. And here's what I know happens. Every time I talk about living a life of faith or, or having big faith and God can do big things through you, as I, immediately I hear, I hear people say, well, Hal, you don't understand. I don't have the same talents that you do. I can't come up on stage as if this is the only place God uses you. Or how you don't understand what I've done in my past. God can't do anything with that. And look, I, I wanna talk to you and I, and I don't wanna pander to that thought. What I wanna do is give you a little bit of truth. See, when you believe nothing significant happened through you, you've actually said more about your belief in God than you have declared about yourself. See, when we believe that God can't do anything through us, we've actually said more about God than we've said about ourselves. Because is God the God of impossible or is he not? Is God the God that created the heavens and the earth or is he not? Because if God... If God can work through me, he can work through anyone. In fact, when you look through his word, which I think we ought to spend some time in, you see God use unqualified people over and over again. In fact, today, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna talk about somebody that you would never expect God to use. Somebody that you wouldn't go, hey, that's, that's somebody God needs to get a hold of. But to just start with that story, I'm gonna take a step back where, where you see Moses and the Israelites. Moses leads the Israelites out of Egypt. They were in slavery there for a couple hundred years. He leads them out. He parts the Red Sea. They see God do miracles. They get to the promised land, the, the place that God promised to them. They get there, they get to Canaan, and Moses sends in 12 spies to scout it out. Now, when the spies come back, two of the spies say, God's amazing, we can do this, it doesn't matter. 10 of the spies say, ah, there's giants. I know God's big, but they have giants, and they've got a wall. And they're well fortified. And so what do they do? They go, we can't take the land that God has given us. So God allows them to wander around in the desert for 40 years. You know, it's funny, when you see the desert, a lot of times we think about that as a, as a punishment. Really, the desert, when you see it throughout the Bible, it's a time of refinement and preparing. And what God was doing in that moment, he was preparing the Israelites for another chance, another try. So actually this time, we see Joshua take over and they go back to the promised land. And instead of ten, sending in 12 spies, Joshua's incredibly smart. He sends in two spies. And that's where we can catch up with the story. In Joshua 2, verse 1, it says this. Does the, the, then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at the Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. Now the next sentence doesn't feel right. It says, so the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. Does that seem like a little, you're like, wait, what? <laughs> did, they, did they scout or, or what? They did, they scouted. Rahab's house was in Jericho. They had scouted, and it doesn't say why they're there. I don't know if the reason they went there is they're going, hey, that's a place that probably people don't ask a lot of questions. But they ended up in this place. And what do we see here? We see Rahab introduced into the story. And not introduced in the story like that's a person God's gonna use, right? It, well, how do they introduce her? It's the prostitute Rahab. 
right? She's introduced in the story. You're going, there's no reason for her to be in the story. Why is she even in this story? And here's what's interesting about Rahab. Do you think Rahab at this moment was looking for God? She wasn't looking for God. She wasn't thinking, you know what? Man, today's gonna be the day I get written in the Bible. <laughs> she wasn't. But here's what's so important about Rahab because it pertains to us too. And the first thing we gotta understand is God is always pursuing us. God is always pursuing us. And here's why we need to understand that. One, God doesn't move. I think a lot of times people say, well, oh, God's you know, far away. No, he's not. One, God is omnipresent, which means he's everywhere, which means he doesn't even have to move. Like he's already everywhere. And we actually see that God is pursuing us. He's going after us. So the idea that he's moved, no, no, no. Most of the time what it is is that we've moved. We've lost relationship with him. See, we tend to forget about this. We tend to forget that he wants to be with us. In fact, his greatest pursuit of us is when he sent Jesus. First John 4, 9 speaks through it. It says this, it says, God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son to the world so that we may have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. God loved us so much and pursued us so much, he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. See, God is pursuing us there and he's continuing to pursue us today. Why is he pursuing us? Because there's something he wants from us. And we need to understand what that is because it gets off many times. You know what God wants from us? A relationship. God does not pursue you for what you can do for him. He can do it on himself, by himself. He's God. He, he pursues you for a relationship. But somehow many times we turn it into, well, I've got to do this you know, for, for God because that's what he expects of me. No, no, no. He pursues you first for a relationship. He wants a relationship with you. And let me just say this. If you, if you understand that right now, it will change everything because it is through a relationship that God speaks to us. It is through a relationship that God directs us. If your relationship is right with God, you will know what he's calling you to do. See, that's why it's so important guy named Henry Blackaby, which actually wrote the book, Experiencing God, he says one day he was meeting with a group of CEOs and he was talking to the CEOs of what it looks like to, to spend time with God. And they, they go, I want God to be a part of my business. He said, well, every single day you need a plot of time where you have unhurried time with God. And the CEOs kind of laugh a little bit. And one of them goes, hey, Henry, you don't understand. We're, we're CEOs. We, we don't have time for that. We're busy. And Henry goes, hey, you don't understand who you're meeting with. We have the ability to meet with the God of the heavens and the earth. And he is pursuing us for a relationship with him. He wants to spend time with us. He wants to get to know us. And most of all, he wants us to get to know him. Because what happens is as we get to know him, what he does is he gives us a greater purpose. He gives us a greater purpose. And the way he gives us that greater purpose is this, is that God invites us into his work. God invites us into his work. God invites us into his work. I just want to remind us of that because we love to invite God into ours. It's kind of funny when you think about it. Like the God of the heavens and the earth. Hey God, guess what, man? I've got something really good that you need to be involved in. Like, I know, I know you've got plans going on. I know you're working everything for good. I know you're holding the universe in your hands, but hey, you got to get in on the ground floor of this. And if you do, I will give you partial credit. <laughs> no. God invites us into his work. Why? Because his work is eternal. His work is a higher calling. 
It's more. And what we see is we see Rahab being invited into God's work in a way that we wouldn't expect. In verse two, it picks up. It says, but someone told the king of Jericho that the spies were there. It says, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house for they have come here to spy on the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. What, what, what is her role right now? What does she have to do? She's having to protect the spies. Because this is a big deal that she lied for them. And notice this, she didn't lie to like her neighbor. She didn't lie to like the guard. She lied to the king. You know what happens when they find out you lie to the king? You're not no longer around. You don't get to find out. Like, like you're done and she chooses to do this. She is invited into this place. She, she, she chooses the slaves from Egypt over the giants in her city. This is a big choice. This is a, this is a step of faith. God is inviting her in. And look, God invites us into his work in many ways. You see in this moment, she's invited into God's work through other Christians. And we do get invited that way. But the main way, guys, hear me on this. The main way we get invited into God's work is through the Holy Spirit revealing to us what he wants to do through his word and prayer. That's why it frustrates me when people say, well, I just don't know what God wants me to do. Have you finished this? Have you like mastered this? Like, do you understand like when it says to do those things, you actually are supposed to do it? Like God doesn't have to speak again and go, yes, you should love your wife. Oh, okay, thanks, I wasn't sure. Like God speaks to us through his word. He speaks through us through prayer. Not only that, he speaks to us through the church and he also speaks to us through circumstances. But here's what I know. We love the circumstances more than any other way. We love to look for circumstances. Like it's almost this like love idea. Like, oh, that song came on while we did this. So that must mean I should marry him. No, that's coincidence. Look, it's not that God can't speak through circumstances, but what we should always do is check the circumstances against his word. Because if you feel like God is calling you to do something that's against his word, it's not God. It's not God. But God calls us. God invites us. He invites us into that relationship. And here's what's incredible about God is he is always working. John 5, 17, this is Jesus confirming that. He says, my father is always working and so am I. So how do we know what God is doing? The relationship. The closer we are in relationship, what God starts to do is he starts to reveal to us what he is doing around us. He shows us the areas where he's working. He's showing us the areas where he's starting to build and we get to be a part of that. And that sounds great and that sounds wonderful and we always wanna be a part of what God is doing. But the hard part is this, when God calls us into his work, it will always, it will always stretch us. It will always stretch us and it will always challenge our faith. Look, God's work, it's gonna challenge your faith. It's gonna challenge what you believe. I mean, God is asking Rahab to take this group that just wandered around in the desert for 40 years over the group she has, over the, the fortifications, over the walls, over the giants, all of these things. He's going, I need to invite you into this. Seeing God invites her in, Joshua 2, 17 to 20, we see Immediately, what, what, what happens? He says, before they left, the men told her, she's getting ready to sneak them out. He says, we were bound by oath we must, that we have taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave a scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. 
And all of your family members, your father, your mother, your brothers, and all of your relatives must be inside the house. If they go out to the street and are killed, it, may, it will not be our fault. But if anyone lays a hand on the people inside the house, we will accept responsibility for their death. If you betray us, however, we are not bound by this oath in any way. It's like a really random thing to be brought into God's plan, right? We need you to leave a rope out your window. I've got, I'm like done. If that's all you want me to do. But this is, this is bigger than we realize. Because everybody knows that Rahab had the spies in there, right? And all of a sudden, there's a rope outside. All of a sudden, when the, the army is coming up, why does Rahab have that random rope? You know, she has to take the step of faith. She's got to choose. Do I want what God has for me, even though I can't see what it is? Or do I want what I have? See, I, I think very easily we can go, of course she wants what God has. I mean, there's no way her situation's that good. Well, honestly... She's a single woman in an area where you don't have the ability to have a lot of jobs. She has done well enough, not in a way that we would want people to do, but she has her own home. She understands the city. She understands the culture. She, she knows how to worship the gods that they worship. See, what she has in this moment is she has a little bit of comfort. She has comfort. Like how? That, that's not comfort. Yeah, it is. Anything we get used to is comfort. And many times we go, well, I, I wouldn't do that. Really? Are you sure? When God calls you into something, do you go, wait, wait, God, if I do that, that means I have to give up this. God, I, I don't think you've thought about this. <laughs> if I do that, they may, that may mess this up. And what we start to do is we start to put comfort in front of God's word and what he's called us to do. Look, I'm not saying that comfort is wrong, but comfort is dangerous. Because here's what comfort does. Comfort makes us believe that everything outside of comfort is not worth it's not worth it. I, there's a guy named Jason Johnson. And Jason Johnson is a, is a pastor who is on the front line, really, of, of foster care and how the church can be involved in it. And so I, I read some of his books, and then he, he came to Tampa, and I got to meet him. Just an, an incredible guy. But he tells the story of his foster care journey where they would normally just bring kids in. And that's what they decided to do was they were going to bring kids into their house, keep them until they got to go back to their families. And one day, they, they met this girl who was a teenage girl who had her own kid. And he's going, wow, that's incredible. I hope you find the right house. And his wife goes, wow, that's incredible. We have the right house. And they had to have a conversation and they came to the same place and they brought her in. He goes, actually, it was going incredibly well. He goes, it's a weird feeling because we were fostering the 16-year-old and not the kid. We had to allow her to parent her own child and what that looked like. And so we've gone a couple months. We got her back into school. She had a job. Everything was going the right way. Then all of a sudden, a couple months in, she came to us and she said, hey, can, can I go back can I spend the night in the shelter? Like, what? Why would you want to go back? Why would you want to go to the shelter? And then when they talked about it, they understood it a little bit more because that's where she was comfortable. That's where she, she knew how to get along. That's where she knew how to survive. That's how, where her friends were. She understood the rules there. Like, while... In everything in her understood that where she was at right now provided better, better, a better opportunity. She still longed for the comfort of what she knew. Where have you drawn the line for God? God, I'll, I'll do anything you want, but not this. You know, when you take a step out with God, when you actually do follow him, you look back and you go, oh my gosh. My life was the shelter compared to what God had for me. But it's hard to see when we're stuck 
and the comfort. See, God's work, it's gonna challenge our faith. It's gonna disrupt our faith. But at some point, we gotta go, do I believe God is who he says he is? Do I believe that he loves me and he is pursuing me and he has something that is better for me? Because if I do, then I've gotta take a step. See, if we're gonna do God's work, if we're gonna follow him, it requires both faith and action. See, following God requires both faith and action. Now, truthfully, I believe faith also includes action, but I put it there just to make sure we get the point. It's faith and action. It requires us to take a step forward. See, it, it requires us to go forward even though we don't know what's ahead of us. See, Rahab, she did this. In verse 21, she says, I accept your terms, she replied. And she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. Now, I wonder if she ever went to pull it back up. Because when the Israelites came, if you don't know God's plan for taking over the city, they actually walked around the city and blew trumpets and yelled. I'm sure on the sixth day of that, she's going, well, I'm not, I'm not sure I backed the right people. They seem a little bit crazy. But she did. She put out the rope. She doesn't know the ending. She doesn't even know what they have for her on the other side. She doesn't know what role she's gonna fulfill. She doesn't know what job she's gonna have. She doesn't know what's going to happen, but she takes the step of faith. Guys, hear me on this. We never know the ending. God doesn't show us the ending. He gives us enough to take the next step. He goes, and if you have faith to, to, to take the next step, I will give you enough to take the next step. I think it's, it's kind of like this. I was on a trip with a group of student leaders. We were up in the mountains and we were camping out and we had just gotten back from the falls and we had just swam and all that and everybody was going to get changed for dinner. And there was this, this place that I wanted to take them the next morning and I wanted to make sure I knew how to get to it. Supposedly this incredible place that overlooked a waterfall and we were gonna have worship there. We we're gonna have communion, just have an incredible time with God. And I'm like, I need to scout it out. So I, I, I go up ahead while they're at the campsite and I get up there in about 15 minutes. And I look around, I'm going, this is great. This is awesome. And then I start to head back. And I quickly realize while there was one path going up, there were paths coming off of it the entire way. And every time I came to a trailhead, there was more than one way to go. And it's getting dark. And I remember reading the brochure that said, we have over a thousand miles of trails here. I'm like, oh no. Come see our lovely bears. It's starting to get dark. I'm starting to get worried. I'm like, well, what do I have to do? And so I started going down the trail. After a while, if I didn't see the right trailhead, I'd come back and go back the other way. And I go back and I go back. An hour and a half later, I end up back at the campsite and none of the students knew I was gone. <laughs> but that's the way it is with God. He gives us a guidepost. He says, you are exactly where you need to be, but you need to take a step. I'm not gonna show you the next one, but as you walk towards it, you will see it. But we've gotta take a step. So guess in order to follow after God, there has to be a component of faith. We have to believe that he is telling us the right way to go. And then sometimes we will go the wrong way and he will help us come back to where he is. That happens. But if we don't take a step of faith, our faith is never in action. The same way, if I was at the top of that mountain, I stopped at that first trailhead, I'd never get home. I'd know I'm on the right path, but I'd never get home. 
Guys, there's so many, many of us right now that know we are where we need to be with God, but God needs us somewhere else. God has called us to somewhere else. And we've gotta take that first step with him. Hebrews eleven six says it this way. It says it is impossible to please God without faith. And anyone who wants to come to him must believe that his God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. See, following God is not about just one small step of faith. It's choosing to take that step of faith every day, over and over again. And you know what that's called when we continue to take steps of faith for God and do what he's called us to do? It's a word we don't like. Obedience. Obedience. See, obedience is the key to experience. But we don't like that word. We're like, how? I was okay when you were saying following. Like, I don't even know if I want God to give me directions. Maybe he can just give me some advice. Like, we don't like obedience. You know the, why we don't like obedience? It's because we've lost relationship. The further we are from God, the less we realize how incredible he is. The further we are from God, the more we lose sight of his love and his mercy and his kindness. See, when we choose not to do what God's called us to do, we don't have an obedience problem. We have a love problem. We have a love problem. We've fallen out of love of God. Why have we fallen out of love with God? It goes back to that first thing that I talked about. We lost relationship. If you ever find yourself in a place where, man, I really don't do want to do what God wants to do, spend some time with God. Spend some time around our Father who wants what's best for him. I believe this, obedience is the single greatest indicator of our faith. Saying that you believe in God is not obedience. Doing what God says is. Doing what he says over and over again. You know what's so great about having a Bible? Is we get to see God over and over again reward faith and obedience. We get to see God over and over again, reward those who take steps of faith. We get to see him do it over and over again. In fact, here's what God does. His reward, like the, the outcome, is not what we thought it was going to be. It's always more. See, when we look at the story of Rahab, this is what we see. You know, Joshua 6.25 shows us the beginning. It says this, says, so Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her relatives. It, it kind of stinks that they're still calling her Rahab the prostitute six chapters in, but they are. And her relatives who were with her in the house because she had hidden the spies and jo spies Joshua sent to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. That sounds great, right? She found the life. That's good. But that's not the end. What's interesting is you wouldn't know the end unless you read the New Testament. Because she pops up again in a random place in Matthew 1. It says Salmon, and it's Salmon, it's not Salmon, I looked it up. <laughs> Salmon was the father of Boaz whose mother was Rahab. There she is. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. You're like, how? Why are you reading us a genealogy? Because it's not just a genealogy. That's a genealogy of Jesus. I don't know about you, but when I'm thinking about who Jesus would put in his genealogy, a prostitute who worshiped demon gods may not have been my first choice. But why did he do that? Why did God put this together? To remind you, you're not too far 
God uses all of us. Not only does he use us, but guys, hear me on this. What he does is he takes what we do and he gives it eternal significance. He takes the small things that we could do and he gives us eternal significance. See, if I do things on my own, it may last a lifetime, but when God is there working with me and through me, it's eternal. See, God took Rahab's story. Not only did he redeem it, he gave her a husband, he gave her kids, he gave her a lineage of what it looks like to follow after God with faith. See, I don't think we will ever understand the extent of what God will do through us in our lifetime. I think that's the hardest part about following God sometimes, is God calls us to step out in big faith and we may not see it in our lifetime, but they will see it in their lifetime. Because when we raise our kids in a godly way, we're not gonna see the end. We're not gonna see what happens with our grandkids, but what we know if we follow after God, if we have a life of faith, God will use it for so much more. Because we know this, that God is pursuing us. God wants us. In fact, what God wants for us is what he gave to us in the beginning. It's love. Like his first ever response to us was out of love when he sent Jesus down to this earth, his one and only son who lived a perfect life, who died on the cross for our sins and rose three days later. He did that to show us he loves us. But he still gave us the choice. John 14, 23 this is Jesus speaking. He says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Here's what I know. There, there's some of you in here, there's some of you that are watching online of all the seven campuses right now. You're, you're sitting in the same place Rahab was. You're going like, I, I wanna trust this, but I have doubts. Like, I want to trust God, but God, you don't understand where I came from. Guys, look at the story of Rahab. Look what he did with her story. No one is too far from God. God wants to use you for more, but you've got to take that first step. You gotta take that step of saying, you know what, God, I may not know everything. I don't know the future. I don't know what you're gonna do, but I believe that you will do it. And take that first step of following after him, starting that relationship with him, and then watching him use you for so much more. See, God's just not calling you to heaven. He's calling you to more. So if you are here today, if you're watching online, and you have yet to start that relationship with God, what I wanna do here in just a moment is say a prayer out loud that you can say quietly right where you're sitting and start that relationship with him today. If we could, if we could bow our heads and close our eyes. If you wanna repeat after me, dear God, I know that I've sinned, please forgive me. I believe in your son Jesus, that he lived, that he died, and that he rose again. Today I'm committing my life to you. Thank you for loving me first. Thank you for giving me a purpose. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, we've said this before, it's the greatest decision that you'll ever make and we would love to come alongside you and help you with that. At the end of every service, the, the, the prayer team's gonna be down here. They love to know that. Or you can just do this, text YES to 81313. Text yes to 81313 and we'll follow up with you. But I just, I just wanna speak 
to all of us in our, our next step forward. Look, following after God, like that, that first step of giving your life to Christ, that's that first step. But what does it look like to continue to do that? I know for some of you, if your younger self could see you now, it'd be very interesting. Like I think about that. I think about if my 21-year-old self could see me now. Like it'd be very interesting. He'd be incredibly surprised that I get to speak on a weekend over 10,000 people. He was hoping to speak to 100. He'd go, wait a second. I know what we've walked through. And see, that's the thing that's so interesting about this stage. It's very easy to think very highly of yourself when you get to talk to a lot of people. But luckily, I have a lot of people in my life and a great wife who reminds me that I'm not. (laughs) Because I'm not. Because God showed me, hey, if people get to know you, cool. If people get to know me, everything changes. I heard a quote the other day that, that sums this up. It's by a guy named Nicholas Zizendorf. And he was, I know, he was royalty, but he basically left his royalty to follow after God. He said it this way, and I just love this. He says, preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. I love that. I know for some of you, that's your greatest fear. Be forgotten? Why would you want to be forgotten? Because I know this, if anybody knows me more than they know God, it's worthless. If somebody gets to know God, they have eternity. See, I don't want my legacy to be that my great-grandkids know me. I want them to know God. I don't want my legacy to be that Tampa knows my name, but Tampa knows God. I don't want my sons to grow up quoting me. I want them to grow up quoting the Bible because I know this. If people can get a hold of God, it's an eternal impact. And not only that, guys, we have the ability to affect eternity. We have the ability to affect others. Guys, when we affect a person, you don't just affect them, you affect the ones around them. And God has called us into something more. God has called us into a greater purpose, a higher calling that has eternity written all over it. But here's what I know. It's so easy when you hear that. It's so easy when you hear God's call you to something good that you go, man, I don't think I can do it. That's too big. I have doubts. But you know what's incredible? Is God doesn't just say, well, forget about it. He says, look at what I've given you. He's given us a foundation. He's taken his word. He's given us a foundation. He's shown us what I've done before, I will do again. He's shown us his promises. He's shown us his character. He's shown us his power. He says, you can stand on top of that and go after what I've called you to do. What what we have the ability to do every single week in church is proclaim what we believe about God, knowing that he will do it tomorrow. So let's do this, church. Let's stand to our feet and proclaim the foundation that we have in Christ. Thank you for listening to the Grace Family Church podcast. For more info, check out gfcflorida.com or connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 81313. We look forward to meeting you at one of our locations soon.